Good evening, and welcome to the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLoco and follow the podcast Twitter at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. While you're there, be sure to follow and subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google, and the Megaphone app. Subscribing is free and keeps you up to date on the latest and greatest in Winnipeg Jets news and analysis. On tonight's show, we're going to be recapping a couple of games from uh, over the weekend and tonight against the Montreal Canadiens. Before we talk about the Winnipeg Jets, though, I think we kind of have to talk about a particular goal that happened tonight against the Toronto Maple Leafs. I may not like Toronto, but you have to admit that they have a ton of scoring talent, so when they get outscored, and especially in the manner that they did tonight by the Edmonton Oilers, you'd have to expect at least a couple of highlight real goals coming through. None other than Connor McDavid, who has been much maligned this season despite the fact that he's basically carrying the Oilers into some form of relevancy. Wow, he he put on an absolute clinic on a one-on-one against Morgan Riley. The situation was four-on-four, and McDavid kind of cuts through the neutral zone, beats three uh, skaters, and then kind of faces Riley a one-on-one. What is so terrifying about this particular matchup is Riley is watching him and kind of matching his his bit of uh, a bit of a glide, and McDavid's looking off him the whole time, pretending like he's going to fake a pass um, back through the neutral zone to one of his trailing skaters. But then McDavid just immediately cuts through and accelerates around Morgan's flank, and it just totally beats him, and then dummies um, the goalie for a nasty, nasty goal. Basically just tuck the puck to the side of the keeper, and that's just, I mean, that's, I don't know how to put it into words, it's absolutely majestic. So that's the kind of thing that, you know, McDavid does. And uh, if you haven't seen it yet, even if you're not an Oilers fan, you've got to see this goal. It is tremendous, it is amazing, and it reminds you of why McDavid really is one of the best players in the world. Unfortunately, uh, on a bit of a more dour note, Winnipeg had to play the Minnesota Wild over this past weekend, and unlike McDavid's majestic goal, the Jets were very far from their usual standard. Well, actually, no, just kidding. They were exactly what they were, which is a rough team struggling defensively. Um, and there were some tactical choices that probably put them in a bad position to begin with. This year's Minnesota Wild team under Bruce Boudreau is not really like any team Boudreau likes to do. He likes a lot of offense. He likes creativity. He's a smart coach, generally speaking. The Wild this year, though, don't exactly have a roster that favors creativity or a whole lot of high-end skill. What they do have is a lot of skilled depth insofar as they have players who can provide, you know, two-way transitional attacking value. But they tend to rely on uh, what I like to call Boudreaux's big boy hockey. Bruce, I think, has probably recognized the fact that the you know the Wild don't have a whole lot of talent to work with right now. So Bruce has kind of been putting together something of a hard scrabble, heavy forward checking, but still decently skilled team. Um, you've got guys like Jordan Greenway in the top six, and I'm a, personally a big fan of Greenway. I think that he's got some unique physical traits. Um, he's very big and tall, which you know, in some respects, that can be a negative for a lot of skaters. But for Greenway. He always uses it to his advantage. He has a a great ability to read play and make a nice pass. He's got good vision. He's got a great shot. Very smart, hardworking player with a good skill set. And he kind of proves that, you know, as long as you have skill with big players, they can be very serviceable and very usable, if not great players themselves. They just have to understand how to use their frame to their advantage. You know, getting contributions from players like that is, is basically keeping Minnesota's offense alive because the rest of the team, it's a little bit up and down for them. Um, their goaltending has been very rough this season. Devin Dubnik is, yeah, not not so good. 
Um, and they're you know they're just getting a bit lit up at times. They can definitely score some goals, but it tends to come off of a lot of offensive zone pressure from their forecheck. It's the sort of gritty, grindy style that I don't think the, the Jets are really equipped to play. And yet, for some reason, Winnipeg decided that this game, they were going to, you know, do that same kind of thing as the Wild do, except the Jets just aren't built for that kind of hockey. You know, four or five years ago when the Jets were in making, first making the playoffs um, in this franchise's, you know, relatively younger history, this would have been a perfect approach. I mean, um, Winnipeg having Bufflin, the loud little Wheeler line, all of those guys who could play physically and play in the corners uh, and actually win possession of the puck and create offense out of that, that would have been an ideal style, but this team is not built to do that anymore. The Jets kind of need a lot of speed and pace, but instead they tended to slow this game down, and, and that's also partly in due to the way that the Wild play. I think Minnesota play a nice trap game, especially along the walls, and they're very good at grinding you down until you eventually make a mistake, which... The Jets, we all pretty well know, uh, are, are prone to a lot of mistakes in their own end. That said, Winnipeg really didn't find a way to beat Minnesota's neutral zone blocking and their own, you know, defensive zone clearances. And so this game kind of went roughly how you'd expect, except this time Connor Hellebuck was, um, again, very good, keeping the Jets within it. Most of the goals were scored at, like, the start of every period, and Winnipeg had a couple of power play markers that almost held up throughout the game, except... In, like, the final 10 minutes of this game, including overtime, the officiating just took a huge nosedive. Uh, you know, Winnipeg really can't say that they have been victimized by the officiating all that much, but they've had a couple of really noticeable decisions that went against them in games where it probably did decide the outcome. I, I don't want to say that it definitely caused the Jets to have an issue in this one, but, you know, the first issue that did occur was that Josh Morrissey gets boarded by uh, Kevin Fiala and has to go down the tunnel, and then, like, two minutes later, or even maybe even less time than that, um, the Wilds score the game-tying goal and you know, just a minute or two left in the third period. That, to me, is, like, a horrifically stupid missed call, just because it's so obvious, uh, although it does look a little more obvious on camera than it might have to the to the linesmen and officials down in the ice at the same time, because Fiala kind of does it very sneakily. But again, it's a pretty clear board to me, pretty clear shove. So, okay, that's annoying. Uh, you know, so they tie the they tie the game. They go to overtime, and then, for some reason, after all of the hooking and and slashing and stuff that went on in between the whistles, Blake Wheeler in overtime gets called on like the weakest slash ever, where he chops a guy's stick out of his hands. But the thing is, is he doesn't even make contact with the gloves. It shouldn't really have been a call based on what the rest of the um, penalties being called in the game were. I mean, there were just no calls on any similar plays throughout the entire game, and this is what gets called in overtime. And to make matters worse, the Wild then score on the ensuing power play because we all know the Jets can't kill a power play to save their lives, especially in overtime. And the goal itself was controversial because Parise gets shoved into the uh, goaltender, into Hellebuck. Um, and, you know, there is some contact initially, but then Parise, to me, takes another stride and then cross-checks Hellebuck out of the crease and causes goaltender interference. And for me, it's not even close. Like, he actively shoves him. Parise was even asked about it and said that he thought it was goaltender interference himself. And he was relieved when the goal review ended up giving him the marker anyways, which to me is just not cool, man. Like, I, I, it's just so frustrating. It's not like Winnipeg deserved to win this game. They didn't. That they got a point really is is a testament to Hellebuck's skill. Um, and just how much he's carried this team. But it's very frustrating to feel like the Jets did have a chance to claw back in this, if not even hold the lead, and blown calls kind of sank the rest of their efforts. Were the Jets bad? Yes, absolutely. Like, this was a horrible game from the Jets overall, and they 
probably need to work, you know, go back to the drawing board and work on some things. But by the same token, they can also feel aggrieved that they got screwed by the officiating. Again, just a very frustrating loss in overtime. Um, and I, you know, it is one of those things that's going to happen, but it's happened to the Jets two or three times this season, and I just don't understand how it can keep happening, especially on a review like this for goaltender interference that, yes, you do need a high standard of evidence to overturn these calls, but to me it's clear and obvious. To most observers, it was cl- it was clear and obvious. So I, I just don't know. I'm frustrated. But, you know, we're going to stop talking about this game before I get a little more angsty and move on to the Montreal Canadiens game tonight. The Montreal Canadiens versus the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, Not a game that I actually was overly looking forward to. Not after the last Jets-Habs game. I was was a little bit afraid because the Jets kind of got whooped by Montreal. Um, And actually, that kind of happened again tonight. The only difference was Montreal did not score six goals in embarrassing fashion against us. It's your boy, Connor Hellebuck, not Kyle Connor, actually bailed the Jets out again, like he always does. Uh, Hellebuck was actually very good tonight. Montreal had a ton of, you know, low-slot net front chances, and they, as usual, created a lot of aggressive forechecking opportunities, um, lots of turnovers and counters. Just a really dangerous team with a lot of depth skill. Uh, But Montreal has had a spate of recent injuries, and so the squad that the Winnipeg Jets were facing was noticeably weaker. That said, you know, Winnipeg has enough injuries and defensive liabilities on its own right that it's probably honestly more of an even on-paper matchup than I was making it out to be. For me, this game was probably going to be a coin flipping, and it was going to come down to whether or not Hellebuck was going to be able to carry uh, this team again like he usually has and improve on his last performance, which he did in pretty resounding fashion, barring a few exceptional moments. Hilariously, both of Montreal's goals came courtesy of former Winnipeg Jet defenseman Ben Sherratt. Sherrod is one of those guys who I was not overly fond of, and he got like a $3.5 million contract with the Habs, which when I saw that, my jaw kind of dropped, because Sherrod, when he was with Winnipeg, really didn't prove himself to be a top-four defenseman. Whenever he was here, uh, he always was anchored to Bufflin's hip when he was having pretty good results on the ice. And when you did visual tracking and stuff of of Sherratt's game, it's not like he was a particularly exceptional defenseman. More often than not, his positioning was a problem, especially in the defensive zone. And he does have a booming shot, but he really didn't get into positions where he used it very frequently. When he carried the puck, he was kind of awkward. And if he had to make a complex decision, it usually didn't end up well for the Jets. It ended up in a turnover or just something else haywire going wrong with one of his reads. So... Ben Sherratt, kind of a meat and potatoes defenseman. Yeah, I didn't expect a whole lot. Under the Habs and Claude Julien, though, Sherratt's looked like a more functional top-four NHL defenseman. In fact, a very good offensive defenseman, generally speaking. What I think Julien kind of figured out is that uh, Sherratt has a lot of defensive limitations. You really can't trust him in his own end, so you need to keep him out of that zone and put him in a position where he's more likely to use his best traits, which includes some of his puck carrying and, and, and skating, along with his big booming shot and ability to create low-slot chaos. He has some surprisingly crafty plays, especially when he wants to create rebound opportunities that opposing forwards can scoop up. Sherratt is, again, kind of a meat-and-potatoes guy under most circumstances, but with Julian's offense and the ability that he displays with both the right passing opportunities and a decent shot, Sherratt looks a lot more functional as a top-four second-pairing guy. And tonight he's had both goals. Both of them were kind of on the weaker side, I would feel. The second goal, though, was kind of a a hilariously great shot. Um, Hellebuck is going to want both of them back, but you really can't get too mad at Connor because 
He again kind of stole the Jets this game. Winnipeg, for the most part, had to sit and absorb a lot of zone pressure, and again, the Jets got lucky that the scoreline wasn't more like 4-2 Montreal. Uh, But Winnipeg's goals were actually pretty decent. The second one, which was from Nikolai Ehlers, was especially good. There was a bit of a, a neutral zone thieving where he ended up picking off a pass that was, I think, intended for Thomas Tatar. Ehlers, being the speed demon that he is, ended up creating a 2-on-0 with Blake Wheeler, and he had a nice give-and-go, and then Wheeler ended up passing the puck back to him to deposit right behind Price for a very nice shorthanded opportunity. Almost, you know, makes you think that maybe Nick Ehlers needs to be out in every single overtime period ever. I don't know if that's getting reach anyone, you know, because... Ehlers is fast, and he's skilled, and he's good, and for some reason, he keeps getting benched in every overtime period the Jets have played in, and for the life of me, I cannot figure out why that is. This shorthanded sequence proves that he has versatility as both a penalty killer and an OT expert, which he should be in both situations, not blocking shots or anything necessarily. He took one um, block shot from, I think, Shea Weber tonight, where it was kind of a crippling blow for him for a bit, but again, he has skill sets and edge work that can make him very useful. He's also like Winnipeg's best skater, so that also kind of helps when you need somebody to make a big play and make a a game-changing moment. And in this case, the shorthanded goal definitely gave Winnipeg a little bit of breathing room, despite the fact that the Habs were kind of leaning on him a bit. And then, of course, Sherratt scores not too, too long afterwards. But then in the third period, Andrew Kopp around the midway point had a nice breakaway from a hard-working effort. He actually had a pretty decent return to the lineup tonight, but this effort was just perfect. I mean, he, he came in, had a net front drive, Uh, deposited it in between Carey Price's pads. Price didn't know where the puck was. He thought he had it sealed. Cop comes sliding in, but then smartly and alertly steers himself wide of the net so that he doesn't hit Price and push both the the puck and the goaltender in the net to disallow the goal. Um, And somehow the puck just kind of squeaks through Price's pads, and it's a good goal. Amazing breakaway effort. You know, not quite on uh, Connor McDavid's level, but certainly very good from Andrew Cop, generally speaking. A very sound approach, very skilled very hard-working, and a nice goal. Sherratt got a second goal afterwards, and then Montreal had a late power play opportunity that the Jets had to, of course, fend off. Barely, I might add, since the Habs then pulled their goaltender, but the Jets, you know, managed to hold on, so they have a nice 3-2 win on the box score, which, again, doesn't really say what happened in the game, but the Jets, you know, I'll take it. It, It's obviously not a great, great game for the Winnipeg Jets. Um, Obviously, I would like to see a little bit of a, a more offensive and defensive masterclass, but at this point I ain't going to complain. It is what it is. It's a win. The Jets kind of need anything that they can get at this stage of the year, so let's just see if they can ride it out until the All-Star break. Elsewhere around the league, Winnipeg did get some help uh, in the form of the New York Islanders shutting out the Colorado Avalanche. The Avs are currently in second place with four more points than the Jets. Uh, Winnipeg is right now in the second wildcard spot, which is Bit of a dicey spot to be in, to be honest. I mean, the uh, Calgary Flames are sitting right below them, and Winnipeg is in a very competitive spot. They're basically having to fend off teams like the Oilers, uh, the Canucks, the Flames, Minnesota, Nashville. All these teams are going to be in the hunt over the next few months, and uh, the West is kind of a dogfight for the playoffs just because it's not a particularly great conference. St. Louis, Colorado, Dallas lead the Central, Vegas, Arizona, and Edmonton lead the Pacific. But, you know, of those teams, how many of them are really Stanley Cup contenders? And to be honest, I don't know. I would say that the Blues maybe have an argument. I think Vegas definitely has an argument. The Avs and the Yotes are kind of the same team to me. 
a little bit average with some stellar talent, you know, that's carrying them in one capacity or another. The Oilers, I don't even know what to say about Edmonton. I mean, it's it's the Oilers. You, you know, if you really want to bet on them, yeah, not really my uh, not really the odds I would take. Edmonton can maybe get away and you know with, with just hanging on because the rest of the Pacific is pretty bad. But even still, if if they make the playoffs, I wouldn't I wouldn't put my money on them. Unfortunately for the Jets, January is kind of a brutal stretch where it's just as likely that the Jets kind of cement a hold in at least one wild card spot as it is that they completely drop out of the playoff race. Over the next couple of weeks, they have away games to Toronto, Boston, uh, let's see who else, Columbus, Carolina, Chicago, and then home games against Nashville, Vancouver, Tampa Bay, and again Boston. That, to me, is like a whole lot of yikes because it's just, (laughs) there's a lot of opportunities to drop points there, and I'm not really sure how Winnipeg is going to survive that, especially with um, a couple of their key contributors are still on the sidelines right now. Andrew Kopp coming back does do a lot of good for this bottom six unit. Same with Perot being mostly healthy. But, you know, Shifley and Ehlers and Wheeler have been nicked up at times. If any one of them goes down, all bets are kind of off for this team. Uh, I don't think that a guy like Janssen Harkins can replace the sheer offensive impact of any of those other players. Winnipeg is just kind of hanging on and, and holding real tight at this point, so I think you should all expect to clench a bit. Uh, their next couple of games are back-to-backs against the Leafs and the Bruins, which is, to me, kind of a nervy tour. They're both on the road. These are both very good opponents. The Bruins, you know, past couple of games a little bit mediocre, but um, Toronto, <laughs> yeah, we all know how the last game against Toronto went. Should have won that game, ended up losing like 5-2 or 5-3 or something. So, oh, I think it was actually 6-3 thanks to the empty net. But just not really what you want to see. Not Not the kind of schedule that you'd be hoping for heading into the All-Star break. This is a brutal stretch. Winnipeg's going to be very tested. You know, winning against the Habs on the road, awesome, fantastic. But I wasn't really left with any impression that the Jets are going to get um, too many points going forward out of these next few games. They also have a back-to-back against Carolina and Columbus, and neither of those opponents are easy. The Blue Jackets may be the weaker of the two teams, but Columbus has enough firepower to put the Jets in a real bind. And uh, even with home games against Nashville, Vancouver, and Tampa Bay, I mean, there's maybe three points between those three games, and uh, that would be that'd probably be generous for Winnipeg. I think they can definitely beat the Canucks. They can probably beat Nashville, although Nashville just fired their head coach Peter Laviolette, so who knows what that team's gonna look like. Tampa Bay, though, Tampa Bay looks for real again, so I would not be I would not be overly confident in the Jets getting too many points out of these games. And then, you know, after the Columbus game on the 22nd, Winnipeg has like a week and a half off, which the Jets really seriously badly need this all-star break because the team is, you know, held together by tissue paper and string at this point. A busy uh, busy January schedule really doesn't get easier once you hit, you know, February and March. February is just jam-packed with tons of opponents, and a lot of them are going to be pretty good teams. You know, they have the Caps on tap, they've got the Preds, the Blues... They've got Ottawa. Ottawa's kind of decent. You know, Chicago a couple of times. Ugh, not not a great team. Um, L.A., though, is going to be a bit of a trap game. They've got the Caps twice in, you know, consecutive games. So that's going to be a tough, tough month. And uh, I just don't really know how Winnipeg is going to fare over the next two or three months. The Jets are in a, uh, like I've said before, they're in a perilous position. And, you know, a single push or pull can really either sink or, or lift this team to... Uh, greater and greater heights, so we'll see what happens. But on a a bit more of a positive news, I do have an upcoming announcement to make. We have the first official podcast guest who's going to be talking about the World Juniors. His name is Will Scouch on Twitter, 
at Scouching. He's a super dude. He has wonderful data and a lot of great analysis about hockey prospects from many leagues that you probably aren't following or watching. So be sure to check him out. Stay tuned for the episode announcement. And uh, as always, thanks again so much, guys, for listening. Have a great one, and go Jets go!